Yeah, read this with me. We declare today that heaven is open and earth will be invaded. Storehouses are unlocked and miracles will be created. Dreams, visions, impartations, divine manifestations, anointings, giftings, and calls, positions and promotions, provisions and resources are being released so the gospel can go to the nations. Souls and more souls from every generation will be saved, sanctified, and set free. Thank you, Father, as I join my heart to yours. You will shower favor, blessings, and increase upon me so that I have more than enough to co-labor with heaven and see Jesus get his full reward. Hallelujah. Praise God. Bless the offering, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Yeah, I love that, by the way. We do want Jesus to get his full reward. Amen. I'll agree with myself. It's cool. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Hey, so good. So good. Listen, um, so we've been in this, we've been in this series uh, called Proximity, thus the word and the slide on the screen. And, um, and really, we've been talking about living in the presence of the Lord all the time. And uh, because if we are going to be a fruitful people, we need to be in his presence. And uh, Jesus says you'll know them by their fruits, right? And he also says that, that a good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. It's so commonsensical, but sometimes we expect something opposite to happen, but it just can't happen. It'd be like going outside and finding an apple tree and being like, let there be a pear on there. No, it doesn't work that way. Good tree bears good fruit, bad tree bears bad fruit. And so we're talking about this, and uh, we have came to the conclusion, I'm hoping, that in Psalm 1 it says this, and if you'll, it should be there. But Psalm 1 says, How blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, he meditates day and night. And right here, he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. So you can leave that up here for just a moment. So, so that verse right there, we've been really just hammering this verse and hammering this verse and hammering this verse, because if we're going to bear fruit, we need to get planted by the streams of water. Let's, let's phrase it. Let's, let's break it down a little bit even further. If we want our life to actually count for something, and if we want good things to come from our life, productive things for the kingdom of God, we got to get planted next to the stream of God, next to the river of God. You need to live in the Lord's presence. And so it says that he will be like a tree that has been firmly planted. And again, this is review, but there's some people here tonight, but uh, new people here tonight, but... Firmly planted means transplanted. It means that it was planted in one place and was ripped up, essentially, and planted somewhere else. It's an intentional planting. 
And so that would be like when we come into salvation, where we were in the kingdom of darkness, and then we've been transferred or transplanted into the kingdom of his marvelous light. It's, it's I was here, and now I'm there. What happens when we do that? Then we yield fruit in its season. And again, that's a poor translation. In a season means continually. It means perpetually. It means that there never is a moment that if we get planted by the stream of God, that we do not bear fruit. It actually means that the most productive place that we could be or the most productive thing that we could do with our life is to say, I'm going to live in the presence of God and I'm not going to move from it. Now, the presence of the Lord, he's here tonight. That's evident, but you understand that he's also with me when I go to Walmart, right? Or he's also with me when I'm in my living room by myself or when I'm sitting there petting my dog. The presence of the Lord is there. And the most productive thing that any of us could ever do is to say, I'm not going to leave this position. Now, we say, well, what if I have to go somewhere? Well, go somewhere. Just be aware that you're still planted next to him. And, and it's not like, it's not like, like I do some of this stuff sometimes, but it's not like I, I didn't come into the doors at, at 445 this evening and went, I'm here, Jesus. Like, and when I go home, when I go home tonight, when I close the doors, I'm not going to close the door and be like, I'll see you in a few days. It's no, he's with me because I'm planted next to the streams of living water, okay? So it's the most productive thing that we can do. And if we're going to bear fruit, we've told... <laughs> I have no idea where I am. That's good. I'm just preaching. So the most productive thing we can do is get planted next to him. Now, it's amazing to me that James 5.8 says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Now, we know that... Jesus says, like, no one can come to the Father unless the, the... Like, we understand that we can't come to God unless He first comes to us. But after we've come into the kingdom of God, it's this weird thing. It's like He wants us to actually pursue Him. Yes. He says, draw near to Him, and He draws near to us. Will God draw near to me? Well, the Lord's waiting on us to draw near to Him. It's just this perpetual thing. And so, we need to draw near to Him. And, 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 and again... When it says, draw near to me, the phrase draw near actually means draw near spatially. It means, it means get all up close to the Lord. And, and some of us, again, a kid about this, but like I, I, when we go places, I don't like to be sitting on the inside row. I have to be on the outside. Only time I sit on the inside is when I'm with you because you're worse than me. <laughs> but but, but I, I just, I get all panicky, right? And I feel like I get boxed in. And the Lord's saying, if you would just get boxed in with him, he's going to get boxed in with us. And, and it's just this amazing, amazing thing. And so the most productive thing, again, we can do is live in close proximity to Yahweh. And then we would continue to bear fruit. And we've said this time and time again, too often we live our lives like trying really hard for good things to happen. And while I think there is some merit to that, I, I would rather just get planted next to him and rather than working really hard and shaking a tree for fruit to fall, but I would get planted next to him and fruit would begin to flow. Amen. Yes. I'm thankful for when it falls. But I like it when it flows. Uh -huh. Now, so we say all that to say this, like when we actually live in 
proximity to God, there's all kinds of blessings that come from that. And <laughs> there is. And, and to be quite honest, tonight I, I want to talk about this with proximity. Like, I'll say this, proximity equals protection. Okay? Proximity equals protection. It, you feel safe when you're in the presence of the Lord. Now, sometimes it's terrifying because the fear of the Lord comes. You're like, oh God, you're holy, right? But it's actually the safest place that you could be. And if you feel safe, let me, and I don't like the word feel, but if you feel safe, you're going to be more inclined to be fruitful in your life. Because if you're stressed out and worried and scared, we're probably not going to make too much difference in the kingdom of God. You're not. Because why? Because you're fearful for your life. Or you're worried about what's going to come in. You're worried about this, that, and the other. But if we could get into his presence and we feel that safety, then fruit begins to flow. All right. Look at Psalm 91. Look at Psalm 91. I love this. This is... I tell you, if there ever was a psalm that really just uh, went with nearly every song we sang tonight, it's Psalm 91. You'll see. I'm going to read all 16 verses, so. Because <clears throat> I want to. <laughs> he, all right, verse 1, he who dwells, and I'll probably only preach the first eight, but he who dwells. In the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So important. He who dwells, he who lives in proximity to the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Verse 2, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will, he will cover you with his pinions, feathers is what that means, and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and bulwark. You will not be afraid of the terror by night or of the arrows that fly by day, of the pestilence that stalks in the darkness or the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. You will only look on with your eyes and see recompense, that word of the wicked. <laughs> not even going to try tonight. For you have made the Lord my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil will befall you, nor any plague come near your tent. For he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Wow. They will bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample down because he has loved me. Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. And what a long life I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation. Verse 16, he says, what a long life. What a long life I will satisfy him. The Lord says that if we would live in proximity, that not only will we have a long life, but we will enjoy a lifetime of his presence communing with him. It's just this amazing, amazing thing. All right, so let's look at this. I want to look really at the first two verses for quite a while. But 
when we live in proximity, again, we said it's the, it's, it, it leads to safety, it leads to protection, but it is the safest place to live our life is in proximity to the Lord. It says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. By the way, it's really, I'm going to look at some of these words here in just a second. But it says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. By the way, Most High means the one that you actually have to ascend the mountain to get to. So he's really high, so we ascend the hill by going low. It's just an amazing thing. So, we'll abide in the shadow of the Almighty. All right. He who dwells, he who inhabits, he who decides to live, he who decides to say, not only he who decides to stay, but he who becomes a homesteader. Like we understand that you pioneer, you clear, you blaze new trails, but he who decides to become a homesteader and set up camp, <laughs> right? Or he who inhabits, establishes a dwelling place, a camp, it could actually mean he who marries the Lord. Oh, that one word says that much. But he who marries the Lord in the shelter, in the hiding place, in the secret place. Where's the secret place? It's a secret. I don't know. No. <laughs> no. It's when you're alone with God. Like we have our public relationship with the Lord where we come here and we raise our hands and we pray and we shout and we praise God. But you understand, I hope you understand that what you do when you're alone, when no one's around you and no one's watching you, that is so much, I don't want to say it's more important, but I believe it's, it's more important than what we do right here. Um, we're not neglecting the assembly of the saints. But I'm saying that if you can't raise your hands in worship when you're all alone, it's almost hypocritical to do it when we're here in a corporate setting. And he says, he who dwells, he who decides to stay in the shelter, the secret place, a place of refuge, a location where one can dwell from protection from danger, right? A covering, a veil. He who lives behind the veil. And actually he the veil when he died. He split it so we could enter in into the Holy of Holies. And it, he who decides to live there will abide, will stay, will remain in the shadow of the Almighty. John Wesley wrote a comment about this. He says, John Wesley said, he who makes God his habitation and refuge will abide in the Almighty, His habitation. If we all have our habitats, right? Like I'm, like some some of us are more more comfortable than others. We were talking about coffee places. Like I, my natural habitat is Heine Brothers here in town, right? And, and and some of you all, we're praying for you, the ones that like Starbucks Starbucks more. But um, anyway. He who makes God his natural habitat will abide in him. That's wild. That's the safest thing you can do is make him your natural habitat. That's why, that's why by the way, this, like we, we have kids ministries here, but it's also really good when our kids are in here. Where even if they're playing on their phones and playing on an iPad. Why? Because they're in the presence of the Lord. And when they get 17, 18, 19, 20 years old and the Lord shows up in a church service 
It's not going to freak them out, and they're not going to get scared, and they're not going to say, that's too weird, I'm never coming back. Because they're conditioned to it. It's their habitat. All right. Personal opinion. I just think it's right. We'll abide in the shadow of the Almighty. It's really crazy, by the way. We understand what a shadow is. A shadow is, if in the most simplistic way, like I'm right here, there's a shadow. So there is a light behind me that is overshad- that's overshadowing my body. And the shadow is a production of, really, the shadow is a result of what's shining. So he says, he who dwells, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So I I really think, well, let me read this. A shadow is when a light source of something shines on an object. So we have the privilege of actually living in the shadow of the light source of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. That's really wild. And this, this really is the character of a believer of Christ. This really ought to be our heart's desire. Like we want to win the nations. We want to win a city. We want to see revival come. But the most important thing is for us to live in the presence of the Lord in our day-to-day lives because all that other stuff is futile. The, the, the characteristics of a true believer is one that dwells in this secret place, one that spends a low time with God. And that could be your bedroom. That could be an office. That could be your car, right? It could be, I mean, it could be my favorite place in, in uh, Cherokee Park. There's an amazing place. Not the bike trails, but there's a really good place there. <laughs> it's an inside joke. They do. They do. The characteristics of a true believer is actually one that continues to go back to God, that goes 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 back to God. It's, it's, it's saying, <laughs> and, and, and I say go back because sometimes we drift and we're like, we, we want to do something and we run out ahead of the Lord. And, and he says, I'm right here and we need to go back to him. And, and what would be really amazing is if we didn't have to keep returning to him, but if we could actually just stay with him because we've decided to make our habitation with him. It is one that loves going beyond, 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 beyond the veil. It's one that actually converses with the Lord. And, and I was thinking about this the other day. I was walking through Walgreens and... and I was praying and talking to the Lord, and I say, it wasn't like, you know, oh God, bless thou, you know, it wasn't like that. <laughs> I was just walking down the aisles, and I saw someone, and, uh, and I, I didn't get a chance to go pray for him, but I'm like, Jesus, it'd be sure amazing that if you would meet their needs. And I said that, and I said, would you just touch them right now? And I turned the corner and like almost ran smack dab into someone. And they looked at me like I was plumb nuts because they thought I was talking to myself. 
promise you I'm not talking to myself. I'm talking to a real person, right, that's seated on the throne, and he's ever making intercession for us. And so, so it's a conversation with him. And, and don't, don't get fooled in the thinking that you've got to complicate it, and don't get fooled in the thinking that you've got to pray in King James and sound really articulate and pretty. I mean, there's some, there's some people that I'm like, I hear them pray, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, Lord. Like, I stutter, and I, I pray in Appalachian. I can't pray like them, right? I can't pray and talk like them, but it does not matter. What matters is you just talk to him and believe that he hears and believe that he's going to actually speak back to you, whether it's an audible voice, whether it's an impression in the heart, you're like, I just need to do this, or whether it's a thought that comes to mind. You have the mind of Christ. If you have the mind of Christ, you might actually have the thoughts of Christ, and you have the thoughts of Christ. Maybe we can trust our first instinct because I think he beats the enemy to the punch. <laughs> what would it look like? What would it look? I, I like asking rhetorical questions. What would it look like if the light source of the Almighty began to shine on us in such a degree because we stayed in His presence that the very shadow that was overshadowing us began to touch people? By the way, that kind of sounds like Peter walking through the marketplace and them laying out people, right? And anyway. It wasn't Peter's shadow who healed them. I believe it was the Lord's light overshadowing Peter. All right. Rabbit trail. It would really, if, if we would just, it would look weird if we lived like we were perpetually safe. It would look weird. And, like, and I say safe, like it looked weird if there was a company of people that wasn't always stressed out and anxiety ridden, especially when we go out there because it's like, it's like oh, you're anxiety ridden. Yeah, me too. And we, we just pour more anxiety on each other. I don't understand it. But the Lord, he wants to take that away. All right. Proximity. Proximity is also a personal decision. And quite often, it actually starts with a personal declaration. Look, it says... Well, verse 1 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And verse 2, this is the psalmist writing. He says, I will say. <laughs> I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. See, those who live a life of proximity are continually safe under his protection and have permission to live with a sense of safety and security. When you live in proximity, you actually have permission to be like, God's got this. I'm going to be okay. Come hell or high water, it's going to work out because he works all things to the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, right? It's, it's, this, it's this living in his presence. and You have permission to believe that it's going to be okay. You're going to be safe. But it starts with this, I will say. Say it, I will say. I will say. What will you say? Perfect. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress. I will begin to declare that something happens when we begin to say. Something happens when we begin to decide. So we start doing these declarations because guess what? They actually shift the atmosphere when we start to say things. Uh, Proverbs says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So if I think something, most time it starts with saying something. And if I say something, maybe I'll actually start to believe something. And if I believe something, then something actually begins to change and shift. 
Listen, we can't just come to this place once a week or twice a week and expect to be okay, folks. We can't. We actually have to decide. I say this. My grandmother was a saint, and this, uh, uh, in one week she'll be gone for a year. But I could not go to heaven because she went to heaven. I will go to heaven because I made a personal decision and declaration that I believe under the Lord for my own salvation, okay? We have to declare and decide for ourselves. And when we declare, again, it shifts realities. And what do we declare? You're my refuge in my fortress. In you, I trust. Refuge is an amazing word. It means safety and free from danger. So in you, I am safe and I am free from danger. In you... You're my fortress, which means you are my stronghold. It means that, God, you are my mountain that I run to. You are my hiding place. And actually, in you, I am living in an offensive and defensive position at the exact same time. That's what a fortress is. We declare that. Now, let me, when you declare, I can't say GMC. 2018 pickup. That's just stupid, right? But I'm going to declare his word over my life and over my wife and over my boy and over my church because it will become a reality because his word says it. My refuge and my fortress in God whom I trust in whom I have confidence in whom I have placed my utmost reliance in. And it makes no sense to put our trust in him, right? How do we put our trust in an invisible God, right? Well, I think we think he's much more visible than we actually give him credit for. But how can we put our trust in this? And, and for some of us, you just need to give up the right to understand and have all the X's and O's and the, the, the I's dotted and the T's crossed and just say, I'm going to trust him. Even if it makes no sense. It makes no sense except for it makes perfect sense to put all your trust in him. I'm going to put my reliance in you. I'm going to put my hope in you. I'm going to put my trust in you. Some, right? Uh, uh, Psalm 27 says some trust or some boast in chariots and some in horses, but we will boast or trust in the name of the Lord. This is saying right here in Psalm 20 verse 7, this is saying some trust in the stuff that they have. (laughs) And and to be quite honest, most of the time when we trust in the stuff that we have, it's actually the stuff that has us that we put our trust in. And so he says some trust in chariots and horses. For some of us, we trust in our jobs. For some of us, we trust in our family. And those are good things. They really are. Or some of us we trust in our possessions or our home but those things are useless they will they will go they will pass away they will cease to exist but those who trust in the Lord folks those who trust in the Lord they will what they'll actually be mounted up on eagles wings and renewed and so so we want to trust in him we want to boast in him we want to declare his goodness over our lives we want to say I'm not going to trust in this stuff well why don't you because everyone else does it and, and you're going to look weird. You're going to look peculiar. Second Peter 2.9, you're a peculiar people. You're a people that solely belongs to another is what that actually means. And if you solely belong to Yahweh, it really does not matter about anything else because you trust in Him. Amen. <laughs> 
I wrote in my notes, the consequences of proximity. There's good and there's good and good consequences. <laughs> Just some the good consequences is you're probably gonna have to die. <laughs> you're like, well that, that sounds great. <laughs> right? I'm saying is you got to come to the end of your rope. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and the life that I live now in this body. I actually live in Christ, right? So it's this living with him. It's, it's this, oh, First Kings 17, it's been, uh, there's Elijah goes and He's ministering and he does this great big amazing miracle. And the first thing the Lord does is says, Poom, I'm going to take you to this brook called Kareth. And when he's at the brook called Kareth, he's fed by ravens. Every single day they bring him meat and he drinks from the brook. And he's out there by himself. And what's really amazing is the word Kareth. It means the place of the cutting. It means the place of the whittling. It means the place of, of, of really the humbling of oneself. And sometimes when we get into proximity with the Lord, he begins to cut. He begins to remove. He begins to take away. And that's a good thing. It may seem like a bad thing, but it's a good thing. So here's the good consequences. I gave you the good consequences. Let me give you the good consequences now. Uh, for he, verse 3, for he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. It is he who delivers from the traps. It is he who delivers from the schemes of the enemy, right? He, he, he actually, if we would live in proximity, I believe it actually helps us to make better decisions because then we won't always do some of the knuckleheaded, boneheaded things that we like to do or think we need to do because we get a check on our spirits like, hey, that's probably the worst move you could ever possibly make, right? He will actually prohibit us from making mistakes. Now, I'm not saying, I'm saying you will make mistakes, but I'm saying he will help you, all right? Verse 4, he will cover you with his pinions. He will cover you with his feathers. And under his wings, you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and bulwark. It, it, when it says cover, it actually means like this. It means shut off from the enemy. And so if you could picture it like this, if, 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 if this represents me or if this represents one of us, and it says that he covers us with his pinions. It actually means that if we would get in the presence of the Lord, it means that he takes us. And he prohibits the enemy from even coming near. The safest place you could lay. Some of you mamas understand what that is right there. Because you take your kid when they fall and they get hurt. You take them and you put them in your arms and you love on them. And, and the Lord says, I'm going to cover you with my feathers. Which is really amazing too. What are feathers? Well, they help a bird fly, but they're soft. Yeah. And so sometimes there's this hard cutting away. But then if we would linger long enough, we would actually see that it's soft and tender. And when the Lord corrects us and rebukes us and changes us, it's not to, to do, you know, make us oh, guilt, shame, condemnation. It's like, come here, I love you, and there's something better for you. His faithfulness is a shield and bulwark. His faithfulness means that he's come through. And he's going to come through again and again and again 
and again and again and again. It doesn't matter what the enemy brings with a battering ram. The Lord's going to show up and he's 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 going to show up because he's good. He delivers us from fear. Proximity actually delivers us from fear. We sing no longer slaves. You will not be afraid of the terror. It actually, verse 5, when it says you will not be afraid of the terror, it actually means you will not be, af- you will not be stopped by debilitating fear. Some of us have debilitating fear, maybe not in every aspect of our lives, but there's something we're like, I need to make a decision, but I'm scared to death of what the results are going to be. And it actually says, you will not be afraid of the debilitating fear by night or by the arrows that the flies of the day, that fly during the day, which means that it doesn't matter if it's day, it doesn't matter if it's night, it's always safe to be in His presence. Or the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, which could mean this, or the pestilence, the sickness that stalks in the darkness. In the darkness, it means in the position of deep vulnerability. Some of us, this isn't to be mean, some of us, We're so close to significant breakthrough, but we're afraid to get in a position of deep vulnerability with the Lord. And he's saying that even in that deep vulnerability, you're going to be safe with him. (laughs) Or of the destruction that lays waste at noon. He actually, he actually fights the enemy for us, by the way, too. That's verse 7. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it should not, shall not approach you. This is a picture of a battle scene raging around. Utter calamity. And he says, a thousand are going to fall at your side, 10,000. But you're still going to be safe in the midst of all of that that's going on. You only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. I shouldn't have read that word again. It's like my grandmother can't say aluminum. She can't. It's really funny. thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand. You've heard this talk here before. You've heard Dr. Rob teach it. But we've been seated in the heavenlies with Christ Jesus. And the enemy is the, his footstool. All these wonderful, wonderful verses and teachings. Uh, Dr. Brian talked on uh, uh, submit to God Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's, it's submitting to the Lord. It's what we sang at the very beginning. This is how we fight our battles. It was, it was an act of worship. It's like, how do I fight my battle? Well, I'm going to worship the Lord. Well, I'm going to raise my hands. I'm going to praise him. How am I going to fight my battle? I'm actually going to be seated at his table, right? And he actually prepares a table for me before my enemies. 
and that, that's Psalm 23, I can't remember what verse, but, but he prepares that table for us. And so all of these things happen. You don't have to fight those in, or that enemy. You don't have to do it. You submit to the Lord, you worship him, you praise him, and he actually takes care of things for you. Now, there's going to be some stuff we've got to do. We understand that. What I'm saying is don't go around and say, oh, I'm just going to fight the devil. That's the most ridiculous thing I think you could ever possibly say. Now, if he shows up, you talk to us about speaking to him. Get away from me. Jesus said that. Get behind me, Satan, right? Just go, I don't even have time to mess with you. It's like in Nehemiah chapter 6. I think it's chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 6, they're up on the wall. Oh, man, they're up on the wall, and, and they're building. And, and Sambalot and another guy, they show up, and they say, we need you to come down here. And those were the enemy. And Nehemiah says, I am doing too great of a task to even come down and speak to you. So if he shows up, I'm doing too great of a task because I'm worshiping the Lord and praising him because that's how I fight. And he actually begins to take care of the battles for me. If we would learn to do that, it would just radically change our lives, folks. It really, really would. Psalm 91's amazing. <laughs> I've got a few more minutes here. <laughs> no evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent. Whoa. Oh, for he will give his angels charge orders concerning you to guard you in all your ways. That's wild. They will bear you up. Not only are you covered in his pinions, his feathers, but the angels are going to bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone. <laughs> right? It's, 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 that, it's this leading and guiding, and you're not going to make a stupid mistake. You may make a stupid mistake, but they're going to do everything they can to keep you from doing it. You'll tread upon the lion and the cobra. The young lion will trample <laughs> the young lion and the serpent you will trample down. That sounds like David. And they think David wrote this one, but that sounds like David when he's, when David's getting ready to fight Goliath and, and he, says to, he says to the king, he's like, I've, I've grabbed the lion and the bear by the beard and I struck him down. It's just this amazing thing. And right here, it switches. All of a sudden, in verse 14, the speaker switches. And it goes from me talking or you talking or David talking to the Lord. Verse 14, real quick. Because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him. Hear the, hear the word of the Lord, folks. Because you have loved him, he will deliver you. And he says, I'll set him securely on high because he has known my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. And I'll rescue him. And if that's not enough, he says, and I will honor him. <laughs> with a long life, I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation. All that say this. The most productive and safest place that you could possibly be 
in the presence of the Lord. Never depart from it. And I know it's hard. It's stuff we're learning. 